Hello, everybody, and welcome to Third Shot Podcast, where we talk about the sport we love, pickleball, and we hope to bring the pickleball community together. So welcome, everyone, if you're new. Welcome back if you've been with us before. And get your shots ready, because we've got our first shot to take. Uncle and Russ? Let's do it. Hey, cheers, cheers. you guys. So... Before we start talking about pickleball, I have to talk about the shot that I just took. (laughs) (laughs) Because last time or one of our previous recordings, Uncle was like, oh, I'm taking a a shot of sake. And so I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I need to be fancy too. So I was like rummaging through my fridge to try to find something to like keep up with that. And I found cucumber sake. Oh, Right. And it's like pickles, cucumbers, whatever. It's similar, but it's been in there for so long. And so I was like, Ooh, I hope (laughs) this tastes okay. So I just poured some and tasting it now. I don't think I'm going to be all right later. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when you leave a cucumber in your fridge for too long and then you go to eat it and it's like, (laughs) Oh no. When you would think the alcohol would kill whatever was, might be growing oh. in there, right? Maybe. <laughs> or maybe I made like a fancy, like aged, I don't know, alcohol yeah, sneaks right? for a while, I think. Maybe like a the 15 like year old whiskey. You, you had fermented a 12 year old fermented sake. pickleball, cucumber, sake, <laughs> bomb, something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to go throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> we just, I was drinking sake at that last uh, couple episodes ago or whatever, right? And we had not been refrigerating the sake. It was just sitting, you know, drink at room temperature. Mm-hmm. And it tasted fine when I did the shots and everything. And I left the bottle out. And my wife, your auntie, looked at the bottle afterwards. And she goes, um, how long has this been sitting out of the refrigerator? And I go, it's never been in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, so it's been open for a while, and I go, yeah, it's been open for a while. And she goes, did you read the label? It says keep refrigerated once open. Oh no! And I go, oh, well, I'm okay. It's fine. <laughs> so hopefully, I'll be okay too. That's <laughs> that's encouraging. But that the bottle was open it. for a while. I mean, like months. Because wow. I, you know, I mean, I'm the only one that drinks it, and I didn't finish that whole bottle for it's been going for a while. So <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Just a recommendation. <laughs> I remember a friend in in Mexico. You know, he he ordered the uh, you know like the margarita on the rocks. You know, but there's the water in Mexico that you know doesn't do so well on the stomach. Did not thinking that well, the ice is made of that water, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you know he he drinks it and, and i say well aren't you afraid of, of that like you know that it's going to be problems for you later and he's like no nah, the alcohol will kill it did yeah it? it it did not <laughs> so good luck Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> gotta make this a quick episode <laughs> yeah we, we better talk quick here <laughs> yeah oh no Bridget. so are you okay right now yeah i mean i feel great right now but you know it takes a while i think <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to be fine. Based on my talking experience, I think you're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, you, you guys have to be fine, though, because I feel like I want to somehow nominate you into the Pickleball Hall of Fame. Ooh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, I know you guys were going to talk about the Hall of Fame. Um, well, first of all, before yeah. we decided to talk about the Hall of Fame, did anybody know there was a Pickleball Hall of Fame? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I would have guessed that there was just because I feel like there's a Hall of Fame for everything. Like in Vegas, we have the Pinball Hall of Fame. So Pickleball, oh, wow. yeah, there's got to be, right? I didn't think so. Okay, here's my logic of why I didn't think there would be a Pickleball Hall of Fame. Because as far as a mainstream sport and a professional sport, you know, you know, having leagues and all that, it's fairly new. And to be part of a Hall of Fame, there's got to be retired people, retired players mm-hmm. that have been retired for a while. Because I think, what what is it? In baseball, you have to be retired for at least five years to be nominated for Hall of Fame and something similar for football. So I figured in pickleball, these pro pickleball players are all still playing, right? How many people are retired from pro pickleball? I had no right. idea. I had no idea. Right. That is that's a good thought process. <laughs> but there is a pickleball hall of fame. So tell How us, Chris, only tell players? us a little bit about this. Tell us a little bit about this hall of fame. Well, the the, the one I looked up, I, I found one, and it was uh, it's in Naples, Florida, and there's 24 members to date. So it seems it seems like a smaller. Or, or organization, uh, but it's uh, let's see. Uh, you've got to be in the pickleball community for at least ten years, like you're saying. Like I don't know how. Like, have you guys? You guys haven't made that mark yet. No, mm-hmm. we're working on that. We're, okay. We'll get there. Yeah. We, we got to we'll increase that a little bit. Um, you've got to. You have to make um, significant contributions to the sport. Well, clearly, this podcast does that. So you guys, you guys can make it there. Check um, the Saki conversation qualifies us. I, I think it does. I think it does. Uh, let's see. Uh, you've you've had a show exceptional growth, development, and leadership of the game. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> okay, leadership of the growth. I can grow out. I can gain weight. So I can I can do right. growth. Right. Uh, okay. Well, we well, come on. You, leadership. We're, we're we should just start like putting on tournaments or something. Organizing right. leagues. I don't know. There you go. But is there? Could there be a pickleball podcast wing of this Hall of Fame? Well, oh, with like separate criteria, huh? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, you guys like leadership of the game. You guys are talking about the game. You're building the community. So there's the growth of the community, development of the community, leadership mm-hmm. through the podcast. So I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna say, uh, okay. I'm gonna say that uh, those are all checked. Uh, yes. Okay. Check. There you go. For, unfortunately, I'm not one of the judges on this, <laughs> but if I was, uh, I would say yes. So the only thing you're you're not making it is the ten years. So we got what, what another seven, eight years before. Uh, I mean, how many years have you guys been playing? Mm, I think I started in 2021. Okay, so, so we we got to wait eight years before we uh, go down to Naples, Florida, and get in this thing. Well, it gives us yeah. plenty of time. Gives us some goals. Yeah, goals, exactly. Right. Okay, so I got a second question for you because did you know there was a Hall of Fame was the first question. Did you know potentially there's a second Pickleball Hall of Fame? Whoa. How is that even possible? Two Pickleball Hall of Fame. You're right? They're just going to keep making Hall of Fame so everybody can be in them? <laughs> they should make <laughs> Hall of Fame a Hall of Fames. Yeah. That way. <laughs> well, I, I just wonder about the second Hall of Fame, whether it's like an international Hall of Fame versus 
I don't, I don't know because oh, I yeah. think I think there's some sports that have like an international hall of fame and there's some sports that just have a professional hall of fame. So the international will have collegiate athletes as well, amateur athletes, uh, that right. whole thing. So I think if that's the case and the other hall of fame or one of the hall of fames takes amateur athletes, we stand a better shot at that one. <laughs> Fingers right. crossed that they accept amateur athletes <laughs> or like pickleball adjacent things like podcasts and companies and organizations. Well, there is in baseball, the broadcasters hall of fame, right? There's a broadcaster yeah. wing. Right. Broadcasters oh. have, have made it in there. So there you go. There, there's your route. Okay. So, well, we, so, we, so we just got to make our show just epic for nine more years because we've been right. doing this for about a, well, not even a year yet, but we got to keep this up for nine more years, keep growing it, show leadership and just make the best podcast out there. Right. So cool. listeners, you give us suggestions on how do we make our podcast to hall of fame level? Or, you know what we could do? We just get these pickleball hall of famer people as guests on the show. And then they put the podcast within the Hall of Fame, and technically, you're in there. Russ, you are so See? smart. There you go. Let's let's get both of these. And actually, there there's a thing. Like, if you have both of these, we could even turn this into a a, a Jerry Springer podcast. Have him fight it out to be the one remaining <laughs> pickleball Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> so I'm wondering, Russ, could you download all of our podcasts on like a? A thumb drive somewhere that we could hide in the corner of one of these Hall of Fame, so we could technically oh, say we are in the Pickleball Hall of Fame. That's true, yeah, that could work. I like this yeah. idea. <laughs> well, you know, my other pod, my Learning More podcast, I interviewed the uh, uh, the the curator of the uh, Sixth Floor Museum. That's where you know in Dallas, where JFK was assassinated, right? That that building. So my podcast and my voice is in there. There's a little thing in like, you know, of, uh, of me in, in that museum. So uh, I think the interview, I think just the interview would, would work for you to, to get you in there. So you're That's in the, really you're cool. in the hall of fame. Well, no, I'm in a, I'm in a museum. If that, if that counts for anything. The JFK museum. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. That's huge. There you go. There you go. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, okay. Well, so actually there's my learning more question right there though. Like what are your thoughts? thoughts like what do you think of this pickleball hall of fame like what do you think of that whole principle for the pickleball hall of fame like should that exist and what sh what should be in it what would you if you were expecting to go visit a hall of fame what would you expect to see i don't think i've actually been to like an official hall of fame like a sports one um i have gone to the pinball hall of fame here and it's just a bunch of pinball machines so I would think something similar where it's a bunch of like pictures and memorabilia. Like I want to see the first paddle that was created and like the picture of the dog who is a part of the family. Yeah. Right. Stuff like that. I want to see uh, Russ's new cat named Pickles. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I want to see, I want to see her and all of I think that obviously I think the the people that really grew the sport 
And mm-hmm. I think right now we're seeing the evolution of the sport. We're, we're seeing some fantastic players really come to the forefront. And, you know, Anna Lee Waters is just fantastic. You got Tyson McGuffin. You got a lot of just top players that are really elevating the sport. And I think I want to I want to see them. I want to see a tribute to them. I do, like Bridgie said, you know, I want to understand the history of the sport and, mm-hmm. you know, pay tribute to all the pioneers that grew it. And then what I would love to see, and I think this is really the foundation to the sport, is I want to pay tribute to the top instructors because oh, yeah. they're the people that are taking it out to the public and really leveling up all the players to get them you know, how many people have we spoken to that want to be a three, five player and go pro, mm-hmm. right? Well, they're not doing it by themselves. They need instructors to do it. And then how many people do we talk to that just started the sport and then they just need instruction just so they can enjoy it more. So I want to see a, a whole area of the hall of fame for instructors. Like yeah, it. that's, that's a really good idea too, because those people couldn't get to where they are at without the help of an instructor. So Definitely pay tribute to them. And, you know, uh, I feel like I, th- I think it was up in Washington that it was founded, right? Like the, 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 the whatever the, the story of the dads that, that discovered it, if, if that is the, we, we had some weirdness about the history of pickleball there, but <laughs> if that is indeed I, like the, it should be there just like, you know, we got Cooperstown for it's in a, you know, like way up in New York, like it's not in, you know, Washington DC or, right. uh, you know, in a major city, it's like in where it was sort of, you know, like the, the roots of it. So I think, you know, going back to the roots would be kind of cool. That would Plus be it's cool. a lot closer to us. We can get up there quicker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there, there's my learning more question. What, what's, uh, what's coming up on uh, this podcast today? Well, speaking of legendary instructors, we have one with us today. Kevin Beeson, uh, he is doing um, engage pickleball camps uh, around the West Coast right now, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. So stay tuned. We have Kevin Beeson, master instructor of pickleball, coming up. It's Bridgie and Uncle Greg with Third Shot Podcast. We're looking for our next tournament. We really love sharing our experiences playing tournaments as a fun part of our Third Shot podcast journey. We've been fortunate enough to be invited to play in a number of tournaments and broadcast live from the events. So share your event with us and we can get the word out to our pickleball community. It's all about helping and growing the sport we love. And we're hoping we'll get to meet you there. back to third shot podcast if you haven't already followed us please check us out on instagram and facebook at third shot podcast or even on twitter search at third shot pod and today we have a very special guest his name is kevin beeson and he is well known in the pickleball community and he has achieved so so much so before we jump into the questions we need to let everybody know how cool this guy is and everything that he's got coming after his name. So bear with me. This list is long. Uncle. It's a long list. <laughs> it is. So Kevin, two times national champion for singles, two times national medalist for doubles, international indoor championship medalist, 
IFP and IPTPA certified instructor. He is an engaged clinic instructor, also a tennis and pickleball professional, and YouTube content creator for all types of pickleball tips and tricks. So you can find him at PickledPro3153. And I think this is a great time to do our toast. Here's to you, Kevin, and all your accomplishments. Cheers. Right? Cheers. Thank you. So, Kevin, um, you know, you have a long list of accomplishments there, but you also play a lot of tennis prior. Tell us a little bit about your tennis career and when did you actually make the switch over to pickleball? So, uh, well, thanks for having me on. Um, My background is in tennis side of it. That's where it all started many, many moons ago. And um, I played, you know, uh, college tennis. I played, I, you know, dabbled in the pros a little bit, but didn't make any money. So that didn't last long at all. (laughs) Uh, And then I looked for a real job, as my parents would say. But in the meantime, I took up teaching tennis. And every real job that came around uh, didn't pay as much as being a tennis pro. And I got into tennis the same. I was lucky on both. I got into tennis during the tennis boom. And now I got into pickleball during the pickleball boom. Um, So I never, ever left the teaching side of tennis. Um, it It was really, really good to me. And then about five years ago, I discovered this silly game called pickleball. <laughs> and uh, then I got it. I got into the pickleball part of it, but I wasn't excited about it at all. I wasn't excited. I was one of those tennis players that, you know, I wasn't really. I didn't have any interest at all in playing pickleball. To be honest, there was nothing there that interested. You know, I was interested in, I didn't like that you used a little kid's wiffle ball. <laughs> I didn't like that you used an oversized ping pong paddle. I definitely, you know, I didn't like the small court. I definitely didn't like the age of the players. So um, I was in denial because I'm old, but I was, I had no interest in playing. So what got you interested? I'm I'm curious because now you so, you're so accomplished. I mean, something must the 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 light switch you know turned on for you right, at some point. Yeah. Well, actually, it was a sales rep. So pre-COVID, I had a little pro shop and only had tennis in it. And uh, they came in. This is a big tennis company, and they came in and said, "We're going to launch a pickleball. We're going to launch pickleball in September." And I said, "Good for you." And he said, would you be interested? And I said, no, I wasn't interested. And then before he left my office, he turned and looked at me and said, fastest growing sport in America. And I thought, okay. And then he left. But then I sat there and I thought, fastest growing sport in America. I don't have to like pickleball to sell paddles. Right. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not completely dumb. I was thinking I could see, you know, I could, I could see the money. So right. I ordered a bunch of paddles, long story short paddles came in and um, they arrived and I started to hook them up, put them up in my pro shop. And uh, 
I thought, you know, I don't even know what these feel like. So I called a friend of mine who had his own, has his own private court, who I had made fun of for years about playing pickleball. <laughs> I called him up and I said, hey, buddy, 10 minutes. I just need 10 minutes of your time. And uh, you can't tell anybody. But I got to try these paddles if I'm going to sell them. 10 minutes turned into 45 minutes. And then at 45 minutes, I had to go teach a tennis lesson. And I was all bummed. So I got to <laughs> I looked at him and I, I said, I got to go, but what time tomorrow? And uh, <laughs> I got back to my tennis lesson and I tried to think how I could teach my student how to dink in tennis. Because oh. that, that's like all I could think about was, um, all I could think about was the pickleball part of it. <laughs> and uh, a buddy of mine who'd been trying to get me to play for years to play said, Oh, you got to do this pickleball thing. You got to do this pickleball thing. And I would just say, no, 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 you go ahead and you, you go out, you play pickleball. And on the way home, don't forget, don't forget to uh, stop off and play bingo. Uh, you know? So when I got back to the office, I called this guy. First thing I did is I called him and uh, this is uh, Tyson McGuffin. Oh, I called no, Tyson. you're kidding. Uh, wow. No, I called Tyson and I said, Tyson, I drank the Kool-Aid. I need two lessons. They need to be six hours each. And when can I do it? And he said, we can't do it, but we can do four hours each for two days. We got to start at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I drove to um, Yakima, Washington at that time is where he lived. And I went, he put me through this workout for four hours a day. And then I was, I was just really hooked. And uh, yeah, then that's kind of how it is. Well, if Tyson <laughs> can't get you excited about a sport, nobody can. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was still into the tennis thing and I just, uh, I was, it, it, be honest with you, it was like life changing. One of the best things that I've ever done. And the only regret I'm ever going to have is I wish I would have done it a lot earlier. Well, you have a very interesting first look at pickleball and kind of like an introduction into pickleball. I haven't heard a story like yours yet where they were so reluctant at first, but you know, we're so happy that you came around to loving the game. Yeah. And then having such an amazing person to teach you the game like Tyson. I mean, come on. Who has that story? That's fantastic. Well, I was I was extremely lucky that way, but he didn't teach me like I had never played before. I mean, I felt like, you know, this is something I had watched on YouTube with him playing Ben Johns or something. He's out there. He always gives 100 percent. And uh, he wasn't. Whole, well, at the time, I didn't think he was holding back, but I found out later he was really holding back. <laughs> so coming from a tennis background, what do you think are some of the advantages um, to your pickleball game? Is the transition, do you think, easier? Oh, for coming over from the tennis to the pickleball? Yes. Um, yeah, yes. I think it was, well, I think it was for parts of the game, for... Uh, the ground strokes, yes. 
So when I won my first national title, I had been playing very long at all, but I, I was playing singles. That really, to me, was like mini tennis. Okay, so that part came over real quickly. That part, I adapted fast to that. This thing called dinking and the purpose of dinking, I did not understand. I mean, my first tournament I played in doubles, I lost to a, my partner and I lost to, I believe one guy was in his 70s and one guy just turned like 80 and we lost. But these guys, they were good. They were really good at ducking. They could just get out of the way because I was just, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could have been considered probably a banger back then. And so it took a while to, to get that part to adapt over to the doubles game. It's funny because uh, you mentioned that, you know, they were good at ducking. And the only thing that comes to mind is the matrix. Like you're trying to shoot <laughs> bullets at them and they're just like bending backwards, trying to dodge all the bullets. And like, it's the same thing with the pickleball. So the people are trying to nail it. You, you just get out of the way and bend and move and it's going out. Right. If it's, if somebody's trying to really drive it at you high in your chest and you just get out of the way, it's going out. Right. Well, the, the- these guys, I mean, they were, like I said, they were no spring chickens and they definitely probably didn't have the matrix move, but they just <laughs> they were smart. As soon as my paddle went, you know, three quarters of the way back, they knew I wasn't going to dink it. So they just dunked, mm-hmm. dink and dunk. And that was kind of how it was. They would hit it short. I'd run in and my partner was, uh, he was a, he was a good pickleball player, but they figured out fast not to hit it to him and to hit it to me. <laughs> And it, it worked. Uh, it worked out very well for them. So you have a lot of accomplishments, and one of the things you're doing right now is you're doing clinics for Engage. When did you decide that you wanted to start teaching pickleball? Well, that that really came about with um, COVID. So when COVID came, all the clubs closed down. There wasn't anywhere to play uh, in the Pacific Northwest, really. And I actually just kind of had a little heart to heart with myself and tried to figure out if there, if there was going to be a legacy left, would it be in the playing or would it be in the teaching? And um, I honestly thought uh, no one was going to remember a uh, senior player long after they were gone or not this senior player. Uh, so I went into, um, I chose, I chose to do the, uh, teaching part and, uh, I really got committed into teaching and, uh, engage. I had a contact at engage and we touched, we touched base and, um, yeah, they offered me a job and it was one of those things that I didn't expect to be traveling as much as I do now. I thought it was going to be a, just a good maybe six camps a year or so, but it turned into a lot more than that. And um, I'm really thankful for it. Well, it sounds like an amazing opportunity. I, I wish I had one too, where I can travel and play pickleball and do two things that I really love. And it sounds like you've found that and you've done so many clinics 
We are gonna take a short break, but when we come back, we will be talking a little bit more about where all these clinics have been happening, and then hopefully get some tips and tricks from the professional himself, so stay tuned. It's Bridgie and Uncle Greg with Third Shot Podcast. We're looking for our next tournament. We really love sharing our experiences playing tournaments as a fun part of our Third Shot podcast journey. We've been fortunate enough to be invited to play in a number of tournaments and broadcast live from the events. So share your event with us and we can get the word out to our pickleball community. It's all about helping and growing the sport we love. And we're hoping we'll get to meet you there. Thanks for coming back to Third Shot, the podcast where our goal is to bring the pickleball community together. Check out our website, thirdshotpodcast.com, for our latest episodes and blogs. And don't forget to follow our show. Please rate us five stars. Um, We're back with Kevin Beeson, pickleball instructor. Before we get into talking about more about the clinics, Kevin, this is our favorite segment of the show because we get to do our third shot third shot cheers (laughs) cheers everyone (laughs) so uh kevin before we went to break bridgie uh was talking a little bit about the clinics that you're doing tell us a little bit about what people can expect uh from an engaged clinic and uh, you know i received an email from engaged and there's tons of them across the country so tell us a little bit more about the clinics well, the thing about the clinics is uh, we call it, you know, Engage Premier Pickleball uh, Camps. And uh, what's, we have some really, really good instructors, some great instructors with a lot of, lot of experience, you know, Hall of Famers, um, just a lot of experience. But what we do a little bit differently, I feel, from some of the other clinics that I've actually been to or seen uh, is we, we at Engage really, really stress on the why, why you need to do something. So if I'm going to help you with your dinking, uh, I can tell you when you do it, you know, what you're doing, where you're going to do it from. But a, a lot of things is, is a lot of times people forget up, forget the why. And the why is the most important part that you as a student need to understand. Because the idea of our camps is that, um, you are going to be able to coach yourself after you leave. So when the camp is done, you should be able to coach yourself and really understanding the why of why you're hitting that shot that way. Um, really, really makes it easy for you to figure out, okay, this is why I'm doing this. We already told you the where, the what, and the when, but the why is the key part. We stress that a lot. I think that's super important. So like you had mentioned, after you're finished with the clinic, then now you have the tool set to continue growing as a player because a lot of times you can just be told, okay, hold your paddle this way or you should be standing over here. But knowing why is very, very important to um, continuously learning along the way. So I think, you know, maybe engage clinics is where we need to start headed, Uncle. Yeah, I think so. It's funny because Kevin, before we started recording, was telling us that he's doing a couple of camps close to where we live, both of us. So we may have to look into this. Sign us up. (laughs) I was 
I was curious though, because um, you had told us that you were in Puerto Rico recently teaching a clinic. When you go internationally, are you teaching to um, participants in that area or are they people from the state signing up or is it kind of like a mix up of participants? Well, we've done um, a couple of them. Uh, the first one we did was there were no locals. So there were uh, a lot of from the States in Canada. Wow. We get a lot from Canada. Wow. And there were, there was a whole group from Canada uh, in the first clinic that we did in, in Puerto Rico. I, I'm, yeah, and then the second one was all locals, which is, um, which is fun. Um, there's a language barrier at times. Some of them actually do not speak English and I do not speak Spanish. So uh, it's, there's always someone there to help, uh, but it's 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 a beautiful place, and it, it's not just that. It's it's really just really neat to go over there. Uh, pickleball, like in Puerto Rico, like everywhere else, is booming. I mean, it is booming. What they don't have is they don't have the courts. Uh, they don't have the pros, and we're talking. They really don't have the pros. There's there's like maybe one or two on the island and they had to come over to, you know, like Florida and get certified. But uh, for the size and the number of people playing, yeah, they're a little bit thin on the pros or a lot thin. So they're really, really thankful when you come over. Yeah. I can only imagine that, uh, you know, the sport is growing in, in so many other countries besides America and Canada, but I mean, South America, Asia, there's so much popularity of the sport, but do they have the instructors? So it, it's fantastic that engage is, is sending you down and, and others to other uh, countries to help, uh, you know, really level up all the players across the, around the world. So that's fantastic. I'm going to get selfish now, Kevin. Because, okay. uh, you know, Bridgie and I, w when we scheduled you, we go, we got to get some tips for ourselves because we want to level up our games. We're going to be playing some tournaments and stuff. So um, when I watched your video on the backhand on YouTube, one of the things that really struck me was how many similarities there were to golf. I'm a big golfer. I grew up golfing. I uh, coach a little golfing right now. And just the weight transfer from back foot to front foot uh, to, you know, have your belly button pointed to your target, you know, at your follow through. A lot of those are very similar to a golf swing. Uh, but I also learned from your video that there's a lot that goes on in the preparation of footwork. And I know that's a weakness of my game right now. So tell everybody, you know, a little bit about the cha-cha-cha and getting getting your feet ready to, to hit a proper shot. Well, you're, you're exactly right about the golf. The swing is very, very similar to the golf swing with the uh, trunk rotation or the core rotation. Uh, so you finish up on the back foot, belly button facing your target. You know, you have your follow through. Same thing in, in, in golf. Um, but with the, I call it the four commandments when you're getting ready to hit any ball, really. But we'll just use, we'll use the backhand as an example. So uh, commandment number one would be to prepare. And that's prepare your paddle. Um, so that's what I call read and react. As I hit the ball to you, you're going to read, is it my forehand or is it my backhand? 
And then if it's your forehand, you'll get your paddle prepared to the forehand side. Commandment two is cha-cha-cha. That's actually moving your feet, getting into position. It's called footwork, not foot joy. You have to take both feet with you. I see a lot of players playing and they, and they leave their feet behind. Okay, they leave them behind. You've got to take both feet with you. So that's the cha-cha-cha is commandment number two. Lots of times players will do commandment two before commandment one. They'll start to move their feet, but they won't have their paddle in position to hit the ball. So now they're still going to be late when they hit it. So number one, commandment one, prepare your paddle. Two, cha-cha-cha. Three is your swing pattern. So if we're hitting uh, a backhand ground stroke, let's say, you're going to come as, like I like to think of it as your swing pattern should be that of like taking off on a runway. Okay, So your paddle is the plane. So it's going to go horizontal, horizontal. Then when you make contact right in front of that front leg, then you're going to start to rise. Then you start to rise. Imagine hitting three balls. So you're, you're that airplane taking off. You've come to the end of the runway and you just start to go up. That's the low to high they talk about. Commandment four, this is the most important part. Okay, and I want you guys to remember this, is that's your, that's your finish. That's your finish. Okay, so as you follow through slightly, slightly going up, if it's your backhand, and it's, let's say it's a one-handed backhand, you want to be able to look under your paddle when you're done. Okay, and as we talked about rotating your hips and your belly button facing your target. If it's a two-handed backhand, you if you're right-handed, you want to come up and kiss your left bicep. And then you're going to hold it. You're going to hold it for two seconds like you're posing for a pitcher. Okay. The reason this is the most important part is because it makes you look really good. Okay. <laughs> and that, now, people always laugh when I say that, but it's really true. Right? It's really true. If you look good, you're doing everything correctly. If you're unorthodoxed and you finish, it doesn't look as good. So the results are probably not as good as if you were to hold that finish and pose for a picture. That is so oh. true. And as you were speaking, I was trying to, you know, think back at myself playing and like envision what I look like out there on the court. And it's so true. I do not prepare my paddle before I get myself ready to hit a shot. I feel like I'm more so focused on getting into what I would consider position to hit it, that I'm not focused on how I'm going to hit it or where my paddle should be starting. So I'm going to keep this in mind. That was well, helpful. Well, good. And so what, what's going on with you there is your see ball hit ball. Okay. Yes. You're not thinking about Dog. the process, right? You need your. I challenge everybody to um, fall in love with the process and not worry about the result. Okay. So what's happening is you're seeing ball hit ball. So you see that ball and you're like a beautiful golden retriever chasing that thing. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> but you're not going through the commandments. 
right? You don't have your paddle back. You're running yeah. like you're on the track team in Las Vegas. Okay? <laughs> you don't have your paddle back. As we get older, our footwork is, you know, 20, 30 years from now, my footwork would maybe be 90%. I could get to every ball and have good footwork. As we get older, that percentage goes down. So now maybe it's 80% of the time. The other 20, I'm just praying to get to the ball. But if, I, if my upper half, if those four commandments are together and my finish is good, I could still have a good okay, result. And that's all about all about the process. All right, Kevin, I got this other thing that has been bugging me. So I was down in Vegas with Bridgie. I was doing some practicing and getting ready for a tournament that we were playing in. I was playing against this really good player that when I would serve to him, he had this tremendous slice return. And when I tried to do my, you know, my third shot drop, I would net it every single time. And ever since then, I've been thinking about it. I've asked different people, but you're the per perfect person to ask. Like, should I be trying to slice to do the drop? Should I try to push, try to try to roll it? What's the best, most consistent way to hit a third shot drop when somebody slices it back to you? Okay. Well, the problem actually started with your serve. Okay. Okay. All right. That's where it all started is I'm not sure what type of serve you're hitting a slicer. No, if it's you're going like to the top spin serve. Oh, okay. And, and probably net clearance of four to five feet. Probably. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah, okay. All right. So that is right where they want it. That's right where they want it. So if I'm playing someone or if I'm coaching somebody who's playing against someone who's got like a nasty slice, I recommend that your serve, your serve should be what I call the Dairy Queen serve. It should be a high, loopy, soft serve that will bounce a little bit higher. Think of hitting a slice. We want to hit that slice below our shoulders. Okay. So if that ball can bounce a little bit higher or you can push them back a little bit more. Okay. The more time they have, that's called paralysis by analysis. A high ball is hard to slice. They want that ball like you're giving it to them. So now they returned it with that nasty slice. Okay. So the big thing about the nasty slice or any spin like that is less is more. So what I mean by that is you're going to prepare your paddle to let's say you're going to hit your forehand drop. You want to make sure that you're going to keep the face of your paddle. So the, the name of this game should be called Game of the Palm. Wherever the palm goes is where the ball will go. So if you miss, it's not your paddle's fault, okay? It's the palm. So as you prepare to hit this, you also have to realize it's going to, it's going to skip. So you need to stay down. So get down low, compress like you're melting into, the, into a saddle on a horse. And then stay down. You need to watch the bottom half of the ball. That's what we call Australia. And stay down through the whole shot. And again, pose for your pitcher. Because you've already said you're hitting too many in the net. 
And that's probably because the ball's not coming up as high as you would like, or you're doing what we call a Pop-Tart. You're, you're popping up as you hit it. Okay. Uh, okay. With the combination of you freaking out because you're already seeing the slice. <laughs> you're like, oh, this is going in the net. Sorry, partner. Right. <laughs> Less is more. You need to stay down, keep that nice firm wrist, that palm going towards your target. Finish about two, eh, like you're hitting through two to three balls. And so, again, the big answer is just less is more. And, and, and give them a different serve. Don't let them do that to you. That's rude. <laughs> right? <laughs> This is why Kevin's the professional, because even you just describing those two shots, he was able to go back and figure out what you were doing wrong to begin with. That's yes. amazing. Yes. Now I get it. Now I get it. <laughs> and I get the why I was missing, because as, as Kevin yes. was saying earlier, I understand why I was missing. Because you know That's what amazing. it was, Kevin? As you explained that, I was doing the pop-up. I was, yeah. I was I was popping up. I wasn't Pop staying tire. down through the shot. Yeah, that was the part that I was I missed. So as as your coach, what I would tell you as you're popping up is, um, why are you in such a hurry to lose? Okay, <laughs> stay down, stay down. I mean, right. yeah, don't don't be in a hurry. That's a tough ball to handle. You just got to stay down longer. Thank you. Yeah, that's very helpful tips. And now I'm super excited to go out there and try it out. Fall in love with the process, move my feet, but prepare my paddle first. You got you got it. Cha cha cha. Cha cha cha. I'm in love with you, the cha cha. <laughs> but you're gonna be more famous than you already are now. So you're gonna <laughs> cha stay down. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, and so like uncle had mentioned, you have your YouTube channel and you have all different types of videos right now. Um, do you ever take requests on, you know, some recommendations or some questions that people have? I do. I do. Uh, I take requests from people. I'll do, I do a little virtual coaching online with people, um, from one guy's from Puerto Rico. I had a group from France that I did, which was kind of interesting. Uh, and so they'll ask, you know, Hey, this is what, this is what I really need to see. So like uncle said, you know, what do you do with that slice? So I can put that video out there, let them know when the video's out there and, um, send it to him and put it on YouTube and, uh, he can jump on there and check it out and then he can share it. You can, what is it they say? You want to like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. comment, subscribe. <laughs> and if people want to find you on Instagram, what's the best way for them to find you there? Uh, Instagram is just under Kevin Beeson. Just go to, uh, just go to Kevin Beeson, and you should be able. I'm going to make sure I got it completely right. I don't look myself up very often. <laughs> so yeah kevin kevin yeah kevin period beeson sounds good well thank you so much for joining us today it was a lot of fun and super good tips yeah very well, thank informative. You so, thank you so much for having me and uh 
I love your content and it's awesome. Well, we're going to be catching up to you very soon. Somehow, some way, we're going to go meet you at one of your camps. Absolutely. I can't wait. That'd be great. All right. And thank you for joining us at Third Shot, where Bridgie and I will continue to share our pickleball journey. A special thanks to Kevin for joining us today. Please check out Kevin's videos. They are so good. Get them on YouTube at PickledPro3153. That's at P-I-C-K-L-E-D. P-R-O-3153. Support, support this show by subscribing. We promise to have more amazing guests like Kevin in future episodes. So let's continue. Let's share our enjoyment for the game and grow the pickleball community. See you next time at Third Shot Podcast. <laughs>